Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to give them the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we're still continuing with what we've been having for our January programs on how to Really set yourself up. Get your business going well. You know, we have these New Year's resolutions of losing weight and stopping smoking and eating better and blah, 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 which, you know, I think the experts say maybe work for two weeks. If you if you have your New Year's resolution that lasts for a month, holy schmoly. Um, but we really need to have New Year's resolutions for our businesses. What are we going to do to make them work better, to make them more profitable, more successful? all these various things. And the very first step that actually has to be taken when you are starting your business or, you know, when you're at this time of year and you're reviewing your business is looking at what your brand is. So please join me today in welcoming brand expert Erica Blair to our program. Welcome, Erica. Hi, Deb. Thanks so much for having me. Well, you know, this really is going to be something that I'm going to have so much fun talking about. But more importantly, it is so important for people to consider. But before we do that, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So Erica Blair is a brand strategist and a digital nomad who runs her coaching and consulting business while traveling the world. In fact, she's currently in Thailand right now. Erica works with people who have built successful careers and are looking to transition to the next step in their professional evolution by starting their own businesses as independent coaches, consultants, strategists, speakers, and trainers. Together, Erica and her clients work through a process of refining a vision for their life and business, outlining their dream client, creating high-end packages and price points, and designing brand messaging so that they get a hell yes when they pitch their services. So again, Erica, welcome. Thanks again. You know, let's really start at the beginning because I think so many people don't even know what a brand is. You know, we think it's the Nike swoosh. We think it's, the, the, you know, just do it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm down here in Georgia and we've got Coca-Cola, UPS, um, you know, all of the big name, and I'm putting it in my little air quotes, brands. But what, the, mm-hmm. what really is a brand and why is it so very important that it is the, the key, the foundation to everything we do? I'm really glad you asked that because it's actually one of the most fundamental misunderstandings that I come across uh, on a daily basis doing this kind of work. Um, because a lot of people, when they think of uh, a brand, they think of a product and they think of you know something that they might go and buy in a store and something that they've already known. And, and they don't quite understand that literally every single human being out there has a brand already. Mm-hmm. A brand is that feeling that that uh, sense of who you are and what you're all about that other people understand intuitively through the experiences that they've had interacting with you. And so that's something that uh, on a personal level, each and every one of us has with people who know us or people who follow us online, but then also we can cultivate it for a business and we can actually uh, selectively choose what we want to put out there about ourselves, about our work, about the, the businesses that we're building so that we can create the impression that we want to create in the uh, eyes and in the minds of potential customers. So how, you know, say you're a brand new business or you're a business that maybe wasn't set up right. What are the, you know, what are the first steps to figuring out what your brand is? So there's a there's a lot to dig into right there because ultimately, you know, in order to have any successful business, whether or not you're thinking about it specifically from a brand angle, um, it's so incredibly important to really understand what it is that you're going for. What do you want? What do you want to create? What's your vision for the future? What's your vision for what this could grow into? What's inspiring you about uh, the kind of work that you're doing and 
and the kind of services or, or products that you're offering to people. Um, and so in terms of sort of thinking about it from that brand perspective, when you get clear on the vision, you get clear on what you're creating, what that does is helps you to align all of the efforts that you're doing across your business and across your brand building to reach the same point, to reach the, the destination that you've set as the place that you'd like to reach in your own life and in your business. And so really getting clear on what it is that motivates you, that it inspires you, that's going to make you feel really excited about getting up and going um, and working on your business, which is something that a lot of people, you know, maybe in a scramble for replacing their income, um, sort of put aside because they think pragmatically, like, okay, I need to um, bring in enough clients to sustain myself. Whereas there's a bigger question that has to be asked for you to be able to actually sustain something for the long term that's going to continue to inspire you to put your all and your energy into the work that you're doing. And that for me at least has been a very clear vision of what I would like look what I would like to create. And that's something that I always, always make sure that I start with whenever I start working with um, either a brand new brand or somebody that is um kind of down the road, but their business is working in spite of their branding instead of because of it. Well, and it's funny because you mentioned, you know, in, in spite of it, because I think what it, you know, you mentioned, it is something so many times that we fell into, you know, we lost our job, we quit our job, we thought, oh, hey, this sounds like fun. We had a hobby that we thought, oh, I could probably make money doing this. And so we just kind of started, you know, we designed a website, we designed a brochure. Do people even have brochures anymore? <laughs> um, you know, we we created online content, you know, all these various things. But we never really stopped to think of exactly what you were saying. Why are we doing this? You know, and, and yes, we're doing it to make money. Hello. You know, we, we do have to do that unless, you know, mm -hmm. it, there was there was like a Powerball winner that was not too far from here not long ago. That person probably doesn't have to worry about it. But, you know, everybody else, we do need to make money. But at the same point, if you're not doing something that you truly love, I think that's where the, the problem comes in. And, you know, and, and it might be, it's funny, I know that there are people who are like, well, but, you know, my, what I, what I sell, is kind of boring, but you can still love it. You know, you, you love helping people, you know, all these various things. So, you know, what do you do when you have people who did the cart before the horse? They started their business there. They might actually be doing well, but you know, they don't know what or who their brand is. Walk us through that process. So that's something that I actually encounter probably more often than somebody who's at the very beginning and thinking strategically about mm -hmm. how to build their brand. We do. We just um, jump in. Exactly. And, and, you know, especially given the fact that a lot of the people that I work with are building personal brands around their name, their work, um, their ideas, their, you know, their essentially their thought leadership. Um, what happens is that, you know, you've already been talking about these ideas. You've already been interacting with people. So it's really hard to say where the line is drawn, where the brand starts, um, and where the launch kind of happened. Right. Um, and, and, you know, so for a lot of people, I think there's actually value in kind of doing that uh, kind of scattershot approach of just creating something mm -hmm. um, and selling something because I see so many people getting really, really hung up on having every single thing be perfect before they go to launch with, with right. their new business. And so, you know, in a way, I do think that there's a lot of value to um, finding your voice, finding what message resonates, finding... Um, getting some experience, just putting yourself out there and standing up and saying, "Hey, I can help help somebody with this problem." Um, the 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 issue comes when uh, you get a little bit further down the road, and what I find is that most people they they have such a capacity to help so many different kinds of clients with so many different kinds of problems. And, and that's something that all of us humans possess. We, we are multifaceted, we are multi-talented, and we can actually help a substantial number of people with a substantial number of things. Mm -hmm. Trick is that's not marketable because it's really, really difficult for you to go out and 
find a prospective client if your prospective client is anyone that's having any kind of problem. Mm -hmm. And so what I find is that a lot of people who maybe get their first um, few clients or get the ball rolling on their business, they come to me to uh, take a step back and look at the big picture from a really strategic perspective of what is it that they would like to be creating as their long-term business. Because they kind of got into it for the short term. Um, And so what we do, as I mentioned, we start with the vision, but then we really move on to identifying exactly who these ideal prospective clients are. Because until you really, really know who you're targeting and what you'd like them to know about you, then it becomes really hard to put yourself out there in a streamlined and effective way. Because um, you're, you know, you're, you're going to be all over the place in terms of exactly what you're saying about yourself. And um, this is, you know, I, I find personally that most of the people I come across end up having too much content, too much to say, too much to share. Mm-hmm. And that having this ideal client kind of helps you keep your eye on the prize of the reason you're creating content isn't because you're just sharing what you have to say. It's because you're wanting to help a specific person with a specific problem. And that just crystallizes it and makes it a lot easier to then go forth and start marketing in earnest and start building uh, a business that potentially could scale from where you are at the moment. Right. Well, and I've shared this story before um, uh, several times when we've talked about things like this. I was at a networking event one time, and this was many years ago. And you know, it was one of these typical stand up and tell people who your perfect client is type of events. Mm-hmm. And this woman sold skincare products. So she stands up and she says, hi, I'm, you know, Betty Boop. And I, you know, I represent XYZ company. And my perfect client is everyone. Mm-hmm. And we all went, huh. And, <laughs> and it was funny because none of us could think of anybody to refer to her. And, and of course, she was right. Her perfect client was everyone because everyone has skin. But it gave us no no point of reference as you know as as people who were supposed to help referring to her, and so she started fine tuning that, and she got it down to she really wanted to work with teenage boys who had acne, and then holy schmoly, we all knew at least one person, if not more, that we could refer to her. And it really was one of those where it took her a lot because, of course, her big thing was was she wanted to she wanted to help everyone, you know, and and that's that's where we come back into the problem. We want to help everyone. But we all knew somebody who had skin. But, you know, we really didn't. It really was just very confusing. And but she, of course, it does the same thing that so many entrepreneurs and small business owners we hesitate to limit ourselves because we think that hello we're limiting our income and the biggest thing we want is right yeah we we mentioned that before we need money and so you know so many times people think well when they start fine tuning that so much they're losing business and and of course the opposite is true but talk to us about how you really work with people to to show them that by getting down to that perfect match, it really is the, going to benefit you the most. Absolutely. Well, I love that you bring this up. I actually have um, an entire lesson in my a free 10-day email course all about this, and it's titled, Anyone is the Most Dangerous Word in Business. Um, And by extension, I think you could say everyone also Mm -hmm. um, in this context. Um, Because ultimately, I think we have to take a step back and look at um, where people are when they are deciding who to hire for or what product to buy to solve a problem, Mm -hmm. Um, especially given the era that we live in at the moment. You know, we come from a world where, you know, potentially you uh, just had your local geographic network to work with at one point in the past. You know, you kind of had to work with whatever service providers happened to be in your town. I mean, we didn't have that many options. Um, And now with the internet, with the ability to connect across the globe, across time zones, um, it's really, really changed the game in terms of people's selectivity and their filter on the amount of information that's coming into them. Mm -hmm. Um, So we are now bombarded and barraged with incessant amounts of possibilities of people to work with, of information about how we could solve our problems, etc. And what do we pay attention to amidst all of that noise? 
-hmm. It's the messages that are most carefully tailored to exactly what we're going through. It's those messages where it almost feels creepy how much these other people are inside your head kind of talking about your problem that sells us that they also know the solution. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I think a lot of us, we, we were trained for a professional world that no longer exists. Mm-hmm. We were trained to um, kind of go broad and be likable in, in that way of like, okay, well, if in the old model, you really, if you are, say, a business coach, you needed to work with the people who happen to have businesses within a, you know, 30-mile radius of your home. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have to do that anymore. And right. so now on both the the buyer and the seller side we're looking for really good fits because we have the, the audience of the entire world to choose from mm-hmm. um and the your your potential customers have the entire world worth of business coaches or whatever you may do to choose from as well mm-hmm. um and so really distinguishing yourself by having a very clear narrative that relates to the exact um, type of person that you'd like to be helping is what's going to set it up so that they believe that you truly have the solution to their problems, which is ultimately the the main thing that we're trying to accomplish with marketing. Um, and and it's just it's an interesting process because I think a lot of people feel very scared, as you mentioned, that they're going to be limiting their income. Um, whereas what happens as soon as you uncover who your ideal client is, is that now you have the entire internet to go find them and you have this little treasure hunt where you can go looking for the exact right people and then approach them with, hey, I've got this solution for you, mm-hmm. um, which is actually a lot easier then, like, for instance, how do you run a Facebook ad to everyone? Right. Uh, you know, when, like, in, which, in of these course, Facebook like, encourages <laughs> you to do because it gets them more money. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. And, 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 you know, here's the thing. It's just it actually is harder now on the Internet because you're paying per view right. to target everyone versus targeting a, a small number of people. Mm-hmm. And so the more narrow you can go actually the better it ends up being in terms of cost effectiveness for marketing um, as well. And I think for, you know, in terms of like the, the personal dilemma of, hey, how do I pick an ideal client when say maybe I'm a, a weight loss coach, um, but I know that I also, all of my work also helps people with acne, you know, right. for instance. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people get caught up in that because they feel like they're going to be stuck if they choose a path and they choose a track. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the the beauty of the world we live in now is that digital ink never dries. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be able to continue to morph and transform and offer new products and new services to new markets for the rest of our careers. And so choosing one direction to go does not lock you in for the rest of your life to only doing that. And I think that's a a concern. It's kind of obvious, but it's also something that I hear a lot Mm -hmm. from people who are really at that phase. And so I think just understanding that whatever you're choosing as your ideal client is a launching off point. It's a hypothesis that you're going to test and make sure that it really is the ideal client. And um, it kind of relieves some of that pressure to get it right the first time. Right. You know, and it's funny because you you mentioned, you know, that that you know, we we think that things can't change. And I'm, you know, <clears throat> old enough that you know, I was brought up in, where when you had something printed, for example, you printed 10,000 brochures, business cards, whatever, because it was less expensive. And and it's funny, you know, first of the year, one of the things I do is I clean, you know, I go through all these things and I have boxes of business cards that don't even have the right phone number on them, but they're still in my closet because, you know what, I paid for them and, you know, it's like really, you know, recycle them, get rid of them, you know, or, or we had all these brochures or all of these various things or, you know, from the digital perspective, I spent so much money designing that website, you know, if it's not a good fit, it's okay to change. And I shared with you before we started the program when we were just chatting that I'm kind of going through that metamorphosis. And, you know, my husband, who has had the same job since he got out of college, worked for the same company, he it just drives him nuts when I go through my little morph, metamorphosis. He doesn't even know what I do anymore, you know, and, and um, because I change all the time, you know, and, and now at my core, 
obviously it's still the same, but I change maybe, you know, the logos, the names, all of those various things. But then there's that little voice inside my head that says, am I confusing people? Because I have three or four different websites. You know, I've, I've got the brand new website for the radio program that we just launched. I've got my um, several different websites for uh, public presentations that I give. One is for LinkedIn. One is on storytelling. Um, you know, and, and then, of course, there is the overall brand of me, Deb Creer. And so I struggle with how do I tie all of those together or should I? Should they just mm-hmm. be separate? Mm-hmm. It's a great question and, and really pertinent to anybody who's building a personal brand um, because of the fact that you are going to be so multifaceted just by your human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I think a lot of people I hear beating themselves up about it saying, hey, why shouldn't I just have this one thing that I do and that's what people are going to associate with me? Um, I think of it in a little bit of a different way. I actually picture it like a Venn diagram Mm -hmm. and all of the different areas that you're doing work in, that you have projects in, that you um, have shows going on about, etc. Those are all their own separate circles in the Venn diagram and you are that place in the middle where they all overlap. I'm a little sweet spot. Exactly. And I mean, call it the USP, call it whatever it is. That's what makes you unique. That's what makes you an interesting person to follow is not that you are, you know, Deb Creer, the, the, the radio host, you know, you have so many different things and that's what makes you so much more intriguing to learn about. Out. And and so I think a lot of people feel this pressure to simplify, um, whereas I always come at it from the other side of, you know what, like we are all humans who are, you are marketing to and we understand that you have a full life, a full personality, a full skill set um, and various passions. And so I think people... Um, sometimes discount how flexible and understanding the the minds of their potential customers are in terms of understanding the various projects that you've got going on. That being said, in terms of tactical stuff, in terms of, okay, how do you keep it all organized and how do you keep it um, clear as a progression um, on your website or on your social media, et cetera, um, what I would call your attention to is the idea of this personal brand really being the overarching thing that people are going to associate with every single thing that you do. It's kind of the umbrella. Um, and it's, it, a lot of people sometimes think of the personal brand as like a separate side project to their business. And, you know, there's a lot of different models and that may be, um, some, you know, that may be relevant given some people's situations, but at least for you knowing like the kinds of things that you're dabbling in, it really makes sense to me that your website that's really about you would at least direct people to each of your different projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the thing is people are going to identify any project you do with your personal brand, period. Because we don't think in terms of um, company names, you know, especially at a small scale like right. that. We, we are programmed as humans to be social animals that relate to each other um, through faces, names, stories. And I'm sure that you have something to say about the, <laughs> the story side of it. Um, but, you, but, you know, the, the idea is, is that as you're doing each of these projects, people are associating them with your name and your face. And so owning that and actually, uh, you know, kind of including each of these projects inside of your personal brand, I think makes a a huge amount of sense for somebody that's got a lot of things going on. Well, and, and it's interesting while you were talking, I actually, in my little notes here, my little notes, I (laughs) drew the Venn diagram and had, you know, the, the various circles. So radio, LinkedIn story, and then, you know, the little overlap, I put a little arrow and I put me because Mm -hmm. I am, you know, as, as, as I said, I'm in the process of doing this and what you said just made perfect sense. But I need to remember that. So that was why I wrote it down. And, you know, it's in so many ways it it does, excuse me, make sense because the things that I do are very similar and they can overlap. But, you know, in, in today's society, day and age, 
whatever. We have people who do multiple things. And I always love it when I'm at a networking event and somebody hands me like four business cards and they say, (laughs) now I do skincare and I do landscaping and I'm a realtor and oh, I can design websites too. What do you do with people like that? I mean, you know, and, and and part of that is I just want to shake them and say, focus, pick one, do something. But, you know, that may be all their passions. You know, they may need to do that to to pay all their bills. But what do you do when all of their various passions, pursuits, whatever we want to call them, are dissimilar? Uh, that's, you know, I think that's something that comes up um very infrequently, at least in my clients, because of the fact that I mostly work with people who are really deep into their passion and, and their cool. career and their mission in one mm-hmm. type of area. Um, what I see more is that uh, it's really the kinds of people that come to me, it's more that they're diversified in terms of their offerings. Okay. So it's more like the, the kinds of clients that I typically work with, um, rather than having fully separate businesses in completely different areas, um, Mm -hmm. they'll have, for instance, um, you know, they'll be building a speaking, uh, uh, their speaking career at the same time as they're wanting to launch an online course, they're wanting to write a book. They have a lot of different parts that are all coming together, but they're all going to really kind of highlight the same core fundamental human being at the center of it all. Um, and that's, and that's, you know, a a little bit of a differentiation in terms of just from my, my, uh, professional opinion, not necessarily reflecting with my exact clients. I agree with you that a lot of times it is focused. Um, for people who haven't gotten things off the ground, if you are still at the beginning stages and you are finding yourself with four different projects that are very disparate, that's the sign that you need to choose one and make mm-hmm. one take off. Right. For, for people who are further down that road and they've got one project completely rolling, um, yeah, go, go start something completely different that, and go indulge a different passion of yours. Um, it's more that a lot of times these disparate ideas often are a mask for somebody that doesn't necessarily want to commit to actually building the damn thing. Um, and that's something that is, oh my gosh, (laughs) I need to make money. I'm just going to do whatever I can thing. Exactly. Yeah. So there is a value to focus and to streamlining your efforts to one goal. And that's really why my entire process is all about refining that goal, refining that vision, and then the ideal client that's going to help you accomplish it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, it, you know, it comes back to what we were saying that when you find that, everything else will come. You know, and 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 it is hard, especially if you're just starting out or and or are the primary breadwinner. You know, you you think, oh my gosh, I have to do four different things in order to pay my bills, to do all those various things. But if you plan it right from the very start, it really will help you do that. Or if you maybe are struggling. Go back through and, you know, go through the process and think, what do I need to really fine tune? You know, and and Erica mentioned the fact that she has a course and and she has 10 steps to a killer brand and she's very nicely set up. Um, It's it's a a free email course. Um, If you go to erica.live slash power hour. Um, she has that information for our listeners and, and I've, I'm signing up right now. I just, <laughs> that's how I know it's, it's live because I was getting ready to sign up. And, <laughs> and, you know, even if you're somebody who thinks you've got it going on, you know, I always encourage people go through these steps again. Maybe you have missed something. Maybe there's something that you could improve upon. Mm-hmm. Hello, there's nobody that's perfect. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, I, I encourage folks go there and, and sign up for this. Absolutely. And and on that page also, there is a link to my business vision workbook, which is something that I put together for people who are really at that exploratory phase of what is their vision that they want to create for their life and their business. And it's a little bit broader than just your business um, because of the, the fact that I really do truly believe that businesses are not just more fun, but also more effective when the person who's in charge is really highlighting their own strengths and talents. And so it's a lot about identifying those aspects so that you can then build off of them as you really create the vision of what you'd like your business to be in the years to come. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and again, it's it is something that I encourage everyone to do, and it's it's very inexpensive, folks. You know, I, I just went and looked, and it really is very inexpensive. But to me, it's going to be worth so much more than that because we do need to make sure that we're on the right path. You know, we might think that things are going well, or we might really be struggling, or we might be starting out. Um, you know, and and so I think it is something that we need to make sure. That we're just taking into account, you know, what is our brand? You know, what what is our vision? You know, you mentioned the business vision workbook. What is that that vision that people have as opposed to, oh, my gosh, I have to do this to pay the bills? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 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 if that really is the only reason you are doing what you're doing. Oh, folks, you know, rethink. <laughs> and I know that's hard. That is very hard, especially when you have those bills to pay. But. You know, it, it, it's, it is something to, to consider. Um, we're not saying quit your job or you know, do, <laughs> do all those various things, but consider it. You know, is it really something, you know, I, I always have mixed emotions when I hear people say, yo, if you're doing something you love, it's not a job. Yes, it is. It's a job (laughs) (laughs) because you still probably have to invoice and use, you know, there are parts of it that you probably, you know, unless you're really, really good and very successful, you hire out everything. But then you're still going to have to manage your people, you know, all those various things. So, you know, but you still want to, for the most part, enjoy what you're doing. And that is in how you have set it up. You know, if you're struggling with, I don't know, you know. What do I tell people when I'm at a networking event? What's my 30 second spiel? You know, or I have eight different logos. Logo? I don't even have a logo. You know, all those various things. Then you're really not going to be enjoying it. And if you're struggling with all that, you're not focusing on providing the best service that you can. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You mentioned something um, in there, which I think is really important to highlight too, which is that even if you feel like you've clarified these things before, that doesn't give you a get out of jail free card to do it again. Right. Um, this is this is a process that all of us are involved in on a continuous basis mm-hmm. um, of checking in and saying, "Hey, is the the are the things I'm doing aligned with the vision of what I'd like to create for my life?" If not, what is that vision? And mm-hmm. what would I like to really uh, drill down on in terms of what I would like to change to be able to reach that point of um, this kind of pie in the sky idea of how I'd like to be living? Um, mm-hmm. And that also extends beyond just that vision step. I actually have a four-step process that I use with my clients. Um, the first one is is really f- refining that vision. Then it's clarifying that ideal client. As I mentioned, that also is a hypothesis that needs mm-hmm. to be continually subjected to testing um, continually checked in with. And so even if you've done that exercise before, I recommend doing it again because mm-hmm. I, I find I, I probably uh, revisit my materials on this about every six months at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's incredible to me that how much my own ideal client changes right. over time, um, especially with the experience I'm gaining and with the new uh, connections that I've made that have kind of informed me about what it was like to work with this person versus that mm-hmm. person. It's always going to be something that you want to come back to. Um, right. And same with the, uh, the other two steps in my process, which is really that um, positioning aspect, the pricing and the packaging of your services. That's something that needs to be refined on an ongoing basis. And then defining your brand messaging, which is kind of coming Coming back to that uh, question of what do I say at my networking event or what do I say at the cocktail party? Um, mm-hmm. That's not going to be something that you decide once and then stick with forever. Right. It's an it's an ever moving, ever changing, shifting process that in- requires you to step back and take a big picture look at your business every so often, which is really hard to do when you're day-to-day kind of stuck in the weeds actually working Mm -hmm. in your business. Um, And so it's really kind of an important reminder, especially, you know, we're in January right now. This is that time of the year where people kind of step back and say, hey, what do I want to accomplish? What do I want to create? And I, I like to use this time to really thoroughly check through that I'm doing everything um, in a way that feels good to me um, in terms of each of those four steps with the vision, the ideal client, 
the packaging of my services and my brand messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I really find that every time I check in with it, I realize something's changed and that I really need to shift my approach um, to meet the needs of the people that I'm seeking to help at the moment. Right. <clears throat> you know, and, and you mentioned the technology. I mean, you know, that's that's a big reason why people need to change. And we still see people. I'm, you know, I see people every day. I'm sure you do also who, you know, we mentioned being stuck with your your marketing materials that you had five, ten years ago. People think the same thing about, say, their networking groups. Well, I've always belonged to that chamber, so I should always belong to that chamber. Well, you want know maybe the people in that chamber aren't who your perfect client is are whatever mm-hmm. that would be you know and 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 maybe it's just online you know it's it's funny i have a friend who is an extreme introvert and the thought of networking even with 10 people absolutely terrifies her and she's a, a writer so you know it's it's not like she needs to and and she she writes uh, computer manuals so she she has this pretty well defined niche and and going to a chamber meeting isn't really going to to get her business so for her to really figure out that she could use online was absolutely phenomenal, mm. um, you know, and 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 she's just done wonders with that. For me, what I do, you know, online is going to be much better for me than in in many cases in person networking. Now. I, you know, I, I, it's, it's always a good thing to have both, you know, to, to some degree, just because it's not really good for me to just sit here at my little computer and never get out in the world. But think about where you're spending your time, folks. You know, we're, we're kind of digressing a bit here. If you're spending an hour each way to drive to a networking event where you're only getting up and giving your 30 second spiel and you're having icky chicken and it took an hour, think of those three hours that you could be online networking, you know, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's, you know, whatever you're doing, that is part of that process, you know, of thinking through those things is where are you going to meet your your best clients? And, you know, and, and I mean, Eric is talking to us from Thailand. You know, I've, I've interviewed people recently in Romania, in, in Australia, in Germany, in Singapore, and I obviously I do that all sitting here in front of my computer, but it just goes to show that in so many ways it is a very small world. So by rethinking and reevaluating your branding on a fairly consistent basis, you know, maybe like Erica says, every six months, that's going to allow you to really find that sweet spot. Absolutely. And and that's also a huge reason why uh defining that ideal client becomes so important because, mm-hmm. you know, the internet is a place that is absolutely full of the people that you want to work with, but you right. have to be able to find them. Mm-hmm. And it just as, you know, as, uh, you know, the, um, the chamber of commerce meeting an hour away might not be the best place for you to be spending your time. There's also tons of corners of the internet where your ideal clients are not hanging out as well. And so having that clarity of exactly who you're looking for is the quickest way to really make strides with actually going out and finding those people to work with because Mm -hmm. you have that targeted streamlined approach where you can, um, actually kind of work backwards from your avatar are to figure out where they're hanging out online and then go hang out with those people um, in those three hours rather than kind of uh, hoping and praying that the right person finds you uh, either in person or online. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about something that we've kind of meshed into this, and that's marketing. And that's very different than branding. So, but a lot of people think it's the same thing, you know, oh, we've come up with our message and here's how we're going to go tell people about it. What is the difference between branding and marketing? So branding is really coming up with the concept of who you are. And then marketing is getting that out in front of people. Um, And actually that, that uh, kind of active uh, sense of really outreaching and getting you in front of the eyeballs of somebody else and on somebody's radar so that Mm -hmm. they actually know what it is that you're doing. Um, And so in terms of the, the big difference for people who are starting out, when you are creating your brand, what you are doing is thinking about in an ideal situation, who would I like to be? Who would I like 
what would I like people to know about me? And then marketing is actually taking that idea and turning it into an activity where you are going out and um, really communicating with others. Um, and so it's it's an important kind of step that a lot of people skip because marketing is what we see. Marketing mm-hmm. is what we know that other people are doing, and it's what the people that we're modeling ourselves uh, off of typically are doing to get in front of us. And so mm-hmm. most of the time when I start talking with a new client, their main concern is, okay, I need to do, be doing marketing like all the people I follow online. Right. Um, what I always say is that you know there is this entire kind of iceberg under the water, and you're looking at the tip top that's poking out um, mm-hmm. and saying, "I want uh, that little mountain right there." Not necessarily understanding that in order to have effective marketing, there's an entire brand strategy that was built first in terms of understanding what you're going to be communicating, what you're going to be saying, what you're going to be selling, which is really a, a big part that a lot of service-based businesses skip over in terms of like. How am I going to package myself as a service? Um, that has to happen before putting money and energy into marketing makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 that is so true. And that's exactly what we've been saying: is people do the marketing first. They come up with their website. They come up with a tagline. They come up with their thirty-second elevator pitch. But they're missing that true foundation, Um, you know, and and we see it all the time, right? You know, we go to networking events and somebody stands up and they've got their little index card or they've got it memorized, you know, and they're quivering and they say, hi, I'm Deb Creer. And I, you know, or they've got it down really well, you know, and, and, and that's actually even worse to me sometimes is when I see somebody who has their spiel. Yeah, when I'm saying that like the snake oil salesman spiel, <laughs> you know, they they have it down where they get up, they've got it timed, they know it is 29.5 seconds long. And if you interrupt them, they they get lost because they it, they're like a performer. They have that memorized. And it, the the really bad part is when you hear it again and again and again, because you network with them multiple places and you mm. could actually give their spiel for them, you know, and, and you mentioned the fact that we have to fine tune these things for a kind of the audience that we're with. And when you're giving the same messaging, the same spiel every single time, it, it, that's not going to do you any, any good either. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and here's the thing is that a lot of people uh, feel like they need to present themselves in this really overly professional way as in mm-hmm. these kind of situations where um, – People, they, they, a lot of people will think that that the other people at the event won't understand them unless, or won't appreciate them, or think that they have anything to contribute unless they have this polished, slick right. way of presenting themselves. And what happens is that typically backfires mm-hmm. um, because you know a, a huge real shift that we're seeing in the world and that we've seen um, over the last decade especially, but it's got its roots much earlier, is that we're really coming into an era where authenticity is appreciated and where somebody just standing up and sharing their humanness and sharing Mm -hmm. um, their projects and their excitement and their enthusiasm, and um, that's actually more intriguing to us than somebody that's coming across as super polished. and that has to do with um, our culture shifts and especially with social media kind of giving us a backdoor into everybody's life. Um, we're not really looking for that kind of facade that used to be the only way that we got mm-hmm. to interact with other other people. We we have very authentic relationships with a lot of people through the internet now to the point that we're kind of taking it for granted that um, somebody's going, that you kind of need to be real to be able to stand out um, versus kind of the way we were trained. And even I, you know, I'm, I'm relatively young, I'm in my thirties, but even I was trained to have this very professional facade that -hmm. I was going to be presenting out to the world. Um, and, and I think that we have to really understand that that is no longer 
the most effective way to make connections with people. That is no longer the best way to get attention. Um, and that ultimately, actually, if you're coming across as polished, you're risking the chance of being perceived as fake, as being right. perceived as inauthentic. And it's kind of a red flag for, for potential clients um, that you can overcome by really kind of coming from a place of understanding your own humanness, understanding mm -hmm. and acknowledging the fact that you have strengths, you have weaknesses, you uh, are working on big things, you're not quite there yet, and, and admitting that that's okay. Admitting that it's okay that you are not the world's most top number one successful person, but that you're still going for your dreams anyway, um, is something that I think and in, in a lot of people skip in those kind of networking conversations where they have to feel that they have to really say, I am the best and I'm amazing. Come work with me. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, and especially if you're not talking to your best potential client. Exactly. You know, and, and because then you have this, oh my gosh, do I have to tell them no? Do I have to turn them down? <laughs> and then we have all these people that you're working with that you really shouldn't be working with. And oh, mm -hmm. that's just a, a whole new thing. But it's funny when you were talking about, you know, we were taught that we needed to be professional. Mm -hmm. The first thing that popped into my mind is something that I have been changing about myself. Um, you know, people who've been listening to my program for a long time know that I've recently been dealing with having cancer. And one of the benefits, you know, because these these are all good things, <clears throat> was that I lost over 50 pounds. Mm -hmm. And so entirely new wardrobe. You know what? That, that for a woman, that is like one of the best things you can do is an entirely <laughs> new wardrobe. And but before pre-cancer, I was this wear a suit person mm -hmm. because you had to. You know, it was and that was what triggered it was you had to be professional. You had to wear a suit. And so I had like 30 suits in my closet that were not anywhere close to fitting. And there was no way I was going to spend a fortune on these suits just to get them tailored. Mm -hmm. So but I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't give them away. I, yeah, Well, yes, I did. But. Then I thought, you know, that really wasn't me. I was sure I, you know, it was okay to wear the suits and, and all those various things. But to me, that limited me and it didn't show who I was. Now, do I still dress appropriately for a business meeting? Sure. But I'm not in a suit. I'm certainly not in a skirt and heels and hose, um, you know, and, and because that's just not part of my personal brand. My personal brand is more flashy colors, more relaxed maybe is, is maybe the, the way to do it. I have one suit now, just one out of all of those, because yes, there are times where you, you do have to, to wear something like that. But that comes back to this whole branding thing is your personal image. I mean, you are you coming across as that I can only do business if I'm wearing a suit type of thing? Or and and that that may be. I mean, you know, and, and we're not saying that that's wrong, but that is part of that whole personal branding thing. You know, what what image do people see when they see you? Absolutely, and and I think what something that you just mentioned that I picked up on is that you knew what your personal brand was. You yeah. knew what you preferred, and that's something that a lot of people um, haven't necessarily taken the time to tap into because they've been following the roadmap of this is how I am supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why so much of this work that I do with branding comes back to self-inquiry. It comes mm -hmm. back to understanding who you are and what you want. Um, and that's why I have coaching as one of my offerings because I can teach all I want want. <laughs> I could teach all you want. Right. But ultimately, unless you're sitting down and really in, you know, doing your own self-examination and practicing that awareness of what really makes you tick and what really makes you excited about running your business, then it becomes impossible to actually form a cohesive brand. Because I can never tell you, I couldn't come and say, hey, Deb, this is what your brand needs to be. It's not mm -hmm. a personal brand is not something that can be created by anybody right. else for you. It has to come through that that process of really understanding what it is that's going to make you happy and what it is that makes you different. And that Venn diagram exercise is um, something that, that I find really helpful for that. 
Um, your story mate reminded me of, you know, ironically, I've gone through the same process myself, um, over the last couple of years, I got mm-hmm. some headshots taken, uh, and I was like, okay, I'm getting real amazing headshots. I need to go get a blazer. Um, and I took a bunch of headshots in that blazer and it turns mm-hmm. out I literally have not used them on anything right. because every single time I, I go to use it, I'm kind of like, it just feels off. It feels like it's not you. Exactly. It feels like me pretending to be somebody else. So um, Mm -hmm. one of my treats to myself when I got back to Thailand a couple months ago was I uh, took my photographer and we went out and did a whole new photo shoot with a bunch of pictures of me in front of all the crazy graffiti in this amazing Mm -hmm. city that I happen to live in. And it's just like I'm in my natural environment being me wearing my actual clothes that I wear every single day. Um, Mm -hmm. And now I feel much more proud to distribute my images and to put put them on right. my landing pages. And I and because I'm not, I I know that, that my ideal client would not be attracted to me pretending to be somebody fake. Mm-hmm. I know my ideal client is not even looking for someone who wears a suit. Ironically, right. so that's mm-hmm. that's the funny thing is that I don't know why specifically I thought that I needed a blazer to be taken profession taken as a professional person. Um, but I think that has a lot to do, you know, with the way that we've been taught. And that's why I'd mm-hmm. like to really tap into, okay, what are the assumptions that I'm making based on things that I learned at one point in my life um, versus how do those square up with who I am and who I want to be? And that really comes back to that vision aspect. If you don't know who you are and who you want to be, then it's so hard to evaluate what you're doing against that rubric. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's interesting because as you were saying, you know, the people that you're working with wouldn't want to work with the suit. The the opposite is also true. You know, and there are some people who think, well, a a doctor would be a great example. You know, if if I'm going to a doctor, I want them in that white lab coat. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, And how you have that initial first impression, whether it's, you know, they're seeing your picture, they're seeing you at a networking meeting, whatever, that helps you get those those great potential clients. You know, you kind of they self weed themselves out. Absolutely. Um, You know, it's it's funny. I had somebody who wanted to be on the radio program one time who swears like a sailor. (laughs) <laughs> and and uses those words that you can't use uh-huh. and you know and and that is just who she is I mean mm-hmm. that really is who she's got a great message but she told me she said no she could not tone it back and I said well I'm sorry you know that's that's not we can't do that I mean you know it's we just can't do that and she said okay that's fine but then we talked about it a little bit more and she said that is who she is mm-hmm. her clients are a little bit edgy you know they like that and you know, and, and somebody's they're going to self opt out of working with her if they're not comfortable with that. And she said, you know what, that's fine. And I tell people, you know, it's the same way with, you know, when they read your your social media posts. You know, I always tell people watch on social media about posting politics, religion, yada, yada, yada. But it does help eliminate some of the people from working with you that just wouldn't be comfortable working with you. So, you know, you didn't go down that path and you're not having to worry about it. Exactly. Your your vibe attracts your tribe is one of my right. favorite quotes. Um, and and that's a huge part of the ideal client work that I do with people is that I actually see an ideal client to be just as valuable in terms of understanding who you're not targeting as it mm-hmm. is for who you are targeting. Right. Um, because as soon as you get that clear idea of who is not right for you, it's mm-hmm. the most empowering thing in terms of being able to say no. Um, right. And we, we've all, anybody who's been in business for any length of time has encountered some kind of client that you realize honestly was not uh, worth mm-hmm. the time and the money. Right. Right. And so being able to kind of cut that out from the very beginning um, mm-hmm. by clearly identifying who wouldn't be a good fit for you allows you to save yourself a lot of headache. And crucially, it helps to put you in a completely different mindset around how badly you need clients. Um, One of my favorite um, authors on that topic is Rich Litvin, um, who wrote The Mm -hmm. Prosperous Coach. And one of his quotes is, needy is creepy, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
in when I see my clients um, coming from that place of desperation, of need, of like, oh, I need a client, I'll take anyone, um, the very first exercise I lead them through is that I ask them to write down five people that they would not take as a client no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and it described those people to me. Right. Because the second that you realize that you are not for everyone and that actually you're, you have people that you would say no to, even if they are waving money in your face, it changes the entire dynamic of your own mindset and allows you to position yourself um, for the first time potentially as a high-end provider who's actually got standards in terms of um, the kinds of clients that you take and you've got a standard procedure of how you work with people. So it's not going to be right for every single person. Right. Well, and also remember that if they're not your best potential client, you're not going to do your best work for them either. Exactly. You know, and, and so why would you want to do that? You know, why would you, you know, why would you want to do, uh, you know, a half <clears throat> job, you know, working for somebody that you didn't want to just mm-hmm. because you needed the money. And unfortunately we see that all the time because we need the money. But, you know, if you're not going to do a fabulous job for them, then tell them no. Um, yeah. You know, and, and there are people who will say, well, I can still do a great job for them. Maybe, maybe not, you know, and, and but uh, why risk it? Why not work with the right people to start with? And even if you can do a good job on delivering the work, what that's doing is that's taking a, a lot of energy from clients that you could be serving even better. And the, mm-hmm. the impact that you could be getting out to the world by amplifying it through the people that you've chosen to be the kind of people that you're best able to serve and whose problems you understand the most in- intimately. Right. You know, and it's it's one of those things. And, and it's I always ask my guests to give me topics and, and things they want to talk about. And, and this falls right into that. And we've only got a couple minutes left is that you are up playing your differences as opposed to downplaying them, you know, so by by doing that, you're showing that how you are the best fit as opposed to I'm just, you know, I'm 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 the puzzle piece that's going to fit in anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. And that kind of comes back to the way that the world's changed in, in the sense mm-hmm. that, you know, we all come from a world where in these communities where there was very finite geographical barriers, we had to downplay our differences to make nice with the people who are, are were around us. Mm-hmm. Now we have the option to work with anyone. We have the option to speak with anyone, to hang out with anyone across the entire planet. Um, mm-hmm. How do we find the right people amidst this amount of noise? How do we connect with people um, when we have literally billions of options of who we could connect with? And for me, I've noticed that the more that I go deep into the things that make me different, that make me unique, the more I find really kindred spirits and like-minded souls from across the entire planet. Um, And Mm -hmm. so going deeper and up playing, which is a word that I re- I've recently coined and I'm, I'm playing around with myself in terms of this concept, um, really experimenting on kind of identifying what makes me different, what makes me unique and uh, give you a little hint. Usually those are the things that you feel kind of scared or embarrassed or ashamed right. about mm-hmm. um, when it comes to talking about them publicly online. Like, for instance, um, you know, it's interesting because the whole digital nomad angle, I think it's becoming more accepted. But about two years ago was the first time that I started doing podcasts about um, being a digital nomad and just talking about that journey for me. And quite honestly, I felt like that was something that my clients wouldn't want from me. Right. I felt like you don't have an office. Exactly. Like I thought it was going to be a detriment that I was admitting, Hey, you know what? I am a, a wanderlusting alternative person that doesn't necessarily follow the roadmap and, and by the book approaches. Um, and I thought that I had to hide that in order to be taken seriously. What I found is that literally 100% of my clients actually admire that that's what I'm doing and want to do mm-hmm. it themselves. Um, and at the very least, they admire it and they support that I do it. Um, mm-hmm. And so 
it's quite fascinating to see how much of our programming in terms of kind of blending in and making ourselves normal and average has affected those of us who perhaps do have a very strong inner sparkle, which by the way, I think everybody does, um, Mm -hmm. to kind of like try to tone that down when actually kind of shining that amazing gem that's inside of us and making it sparkle even brighter is the best attraction method that we could possibly hope for, for our businesses and also just for our personal happiness. Right. Well, Erica, we are at the top of the hour and I'd love to talk with you um, again about being a digital nomad because, um, you know, I think it is something that so many people are curious about you know, envy, you know, (laughs) think, holy cow, how can you do that? You know, all these various things. So, you know, we'll just get you scheduled again. But until then, how do people find you and connect with you online? The best place to go is to my website. Um, You can go grab the 10 day free email course, which is called 10 steps to a killer brand. Um, It's erica.live slash power hour. And that's Erica with a C dot live slash power hour. Um, if you would like to find me on social media, I'm at Erica Blair live and I'm across all platforms. I especially love Facebook, um, playing around with Instagram. Um, and of course I'm on Twitter, uh, YouTube, all, all LinkedIn, all the main ones. Cool. I love it. I love it. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a wonderful time talking about branding with the fabulous Erica Blair. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the business power hour. Hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.